Ladies and gentlemen, Marley Watkins and David Hopkins, welcome to Worldie. Hello there, folks. Welcome to episode 23 of the Worldly Podcast. And with me, as always, is Mr. Andy Roberts. How are we doing? You all right? I'm doing, uh, well, reasonable. Reasonable. Um, what I yeah. would say... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to be the, the most fun, this one, sadly. Uh, it, it might be fun for neutrals to listen that to. That is true. That's <laughs> very true. Uh, so on Tuesday night, we had a full card um, uh, of Football League games, as is... As is their want to squeeze the old fixtures in. Yep. Um, and I think it, going into this game, there was uh, going into this set of fixtures, there was uh, there was potentially quite a lot on the table for a number of teams, not least our own. Uh, things didn't quite work out as uh, we might have hoped, but I thought we'd start with some of the other fixtures uh, yeah. in the league as well. So a big one down in League Two was Grimsby. Ending their run of six defeats. Not great news for Oxford fans, I suppose. Uh, but they picked up a 1-0 uh, win at Carlisle, which was a very handy result for them and drags them out of the uh, out of the relegation zone. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a huge result. Um, Carlisle kind of paddling mid-table a little bit, aren't they? Mm. So not a huge surprise that, that they'd be the kind of side to get toppled by a team on a, on a massive run of defeats. But uh, yeah. uh, it's not... Because I mean, Grimsby are only recently out of the conference as well, aren't they? Cause so so it would be sad to see them go back down again. Um, but I've never actually been to Grimsby. Really? They're big on the fish, aren't they? Up there? <laughs> big on the fish. Yeah. It's one of those places I'm not really sure where it is. It's like northeast, but not quite as northeast as all the other northeast bits. Gotcha, but more north east than like Norwich to be honest with you more north east than like Banbury is like is, <laughs> is far mystery. enough away right <laughs> well good for them uh, and also good for Tranmere a team that we're keeping an eye on this season a little bit uh, and they picked up uh, a 1-0 win uh, and it's like Lincoln City who we thought were running away with it is this a major stumbling block or is this just a, a, a little blip? Well, they're going to have to, they're going to have to lose some games at some point, aren't they? I mean, yeah, they can't. They're true. not going to win everything for the entire season. Um, Tramier, solid side. I mean, I think you know they've they've they had a sort of an indifferent start, but they're starting to pick some points up now as well, and they are kind of hovering outside the playoffs. I mean, you get to that point. That's what you you. If you want kind of genuine chance of getting yourself in in amongst the the, the mix, as in they the say, mix, um, yeah. like by the end of the season, as long as you're around there around Christmas time, you're, you're laughing. But uh, yeah, no, so it's, re- well, it's a great result for them. In fact. Yeah, I think so. And another good result for Exeter, who remain now unbeaten in seven with a one 0 win against Stevenage, and Exeter again. You know, despite losing their managers, we keep as we keep saying and making a big change after a long time, doing pretty well. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, we keep we said this about a few teams, and we'll actually have to go back and do this, but actually do a bit, a bit of profiling on some of these teams mm. to see what their their financial situation is, to see what their investment situation is. Um, but no, it's a good result there. So uh, Stevenage, uh, for their to, to to their credit, are doing pretty well as well. Uh, not a fan of Stevenage, generally speaking, but that's just partly because their manager was Graham Wesley, and he's an, <laughs> an asshole. Um, but he's no longer I don't think he's ever, I mean he hasn't been their manager for ages but he may have gone back I think he's been there a couple of times but um, but yeah anyway so they're doing they're doing pretty well for a, for a club as small as them yeah. once once we were um, so when we, we went to go Oxford played at Stevenage it was when they were our big rivals in the um, in, in non-league and um, 
they they brought like 40 something fans to oxford for a game when we were the top two teams in the side in the in the division so that the level of kind of showing how how big their support is um and then oxford turned up in massive numbers to the stevenage away game and nice. and it was great because we were we were in early because we were doing the radio stuff and um and I, I went down to get some food and there was a lady just she just said they're, they're cute back to the ring road i've never seen anything like it <laughs> i don't think that was her actual accent i can't Bless remember her. it was many years ago but Love honestly it. but even they i mean they were just absolutely <laughs> flabbergasted at the number of people who had shown up it's brilliant love a bit of that well uh also um also loving it still at the top of the table um you've got uh, another win for extra obviously as we said a draw for newport county keeping them third uh colchester picking up another win forest green another win so it's sort of shaping up reasonably in the top of that table, and we're starting to see a few teams showing a bit of showing a bit of form down at the bottom of the table. Cambridge looking very weak with four uh, four defeats out of the last five. Macclesfield two draws on the bounce now, but still sitting rock bottom with four points. Yeah, Macclesfield. Um, yeah, they they've had a tough old time. That shipping eight against West Ham was mm. brutal as well. Not so. ideal, is it? Um, moving up into League One, some more interesting results going on in League One. Portsmouth uh, still unbeaten with a 1-0 win at Coventry, which is a rather nice little result for them. And they're top of the table now, aren't they? They Pompey? are, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're doing very nicely for themselves. Uh, three points clear at the top of the table. Peterborough is still in second place, but we won't talk about them. What we will talk about is uh, the Scunthorpe 5, Charlton 3 game. The hell of a match. A humdinger down at Glanford Park. So it's, uh, so, it's, uh, so Scunthorpe 5, Charlton 3. Correct. You score three away from home and you oh, think you're yeah. going to like, you know, you think, well, you know, we've, we've, we've done something here, but 5-3, that's incredible. Amazing. And Scunthorpe unbeaten in seven. So there's, there's definitely patterns now emerging in the league with some teams picking up some nice form. One that really astounds me, and I think we do get genuinely annoyed at this every week when we have to check on the results, is Accrington Stanley picking up yet another win through Three wins on the bounce, beating Doncaster one nil, and now Accrington unbeaten in ten. Yeah, and, and again, like you know, they were they were talking, they talked quite kind of candidly about their their financial situation after they they got promoted from mm. League Two, and and they were just saying how they are completely unable to compete in a budgetary way against other people, and to the point where it puts them at a degree of risk as as a football club. Um, the so, so, so what they're achieving is impressive. I, I, I get the sense that you've got one of those uh, situations where it's, it's kind of, it's, it's almost like a siege mentality, right? It's like nobody's expecting this of us. There's no way we should be in this position. Let's, let's see what we can do. That confidence that builds as yeah. being like an integrity. I spoke about Stevenage and Graham Wesley. Um, that's exactly what they had. They were, they were a small club, but they had that kind of really tight knit mentality where there's like everybody's out to get us get us we shouldn't be here we don't have any right to be here people don't think we have a right to be here let's prove them wrong mm. um and and, and that, that, I mean, that may well be what's going on on at Accrington because it is it is an incredible run that they're they're on at the moment. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we'll we'll see what comes up. I was just wondering who they've got who they've got next. I'm just going to have a little cheeky check on that the, while the, we're doing it. The most the most impressive thing is is they they gave us so much time. I mean, I know they beat us, but they gave us so much time and space. You kind of yeah, felt like they would yeah. get absolutely hammered by teams. But there you, know, you go. Well, they they're they're away at Shrewsbury on Saturday, and then the game after the um the week after that uh, at home at Brad. 
Bradford. So both of those massively winnable football matches. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So who knows how high they can fly to Stanley? We'll see. Yeah. Um, up into the up into the Championship, um, Leeds, who who did have a sort of mini blips, they weren't racing away with it like we might have predicted they did. They they picked up a, a loss and a couple of draws recently. Uh, they beat Hull one nil, struggling Hull. They beat them away one nil and go back top of the table. But the most interesting uh, game. In the championship, and maybe the most interesting game in the football league this uh, uh, this Tuesday night was Villa three, bottom of the league Preston three, a game in which Steve Bruce received a cabbage to the face. Yes, like <laughs> yeah. full on th- cabbage thrown at him. And what I enjoyed about that is uh. that that the that that. He he had to confirm. He had to formally confirm <laughs> that yes, indeed, I did have a cabbage thrown at my head. I love I love the 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 foresight of the fan to bring the cabbage. Yeah, yeah, and get it in. I mean, a cabbage is not a small item to <laughs> smuggle into a football stadium. And you know, I've been to Villa Park. Fairly rigorous. Yeah, the checks at the door. So well played uh, to to the fan and that. Cabbaging did in fact result in the uh, in the in the later sacking of Mr. Steve. So Bruce. somebody somebody I spoke to said that they basically had to sack him because of the cabbage, <laughs> and 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 they, with, in, all, in all seriousness, they were saying no, no, that actually contributed to his sacking. Wow! Um, because basically they were worried about the logistical problems of of forty thousand Villa fans turning up with cabbages. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, this is a very real possibility for the next home game. Jesus. Well, poor, it has, it has poor gi- old Stevie Bruce. It has given me ideas for Southend on Saturday anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think three years in charge, Steve Bruce. Um, Is that three? Jesus well, Christ. I think so. I might the, be wrong. But their, yeah. their season's been weird. I mean, we, we, we talked about this before where they were just about to go bust and then suddenly they mm. got money out of nowhere and then suddenly they started playing really well and winning those again. And then it's all gone to gone to shit after that it's it is a strange mad. situation i think i think you know shipping shipping three goals against the bottom of the league team at home had yeah. to be a contributor to, yeah. to, to, to the you know the straw that broke the camel's back um elsewhere in the championship sheffield united now three wins on the bounce up into third place which is pretty handy mm. yeah uh, West Brom looking extremely strong now three wins out of the last five and norwich four wins out of the last five also so again the pattern is very much emerging, and that pattern in the championship is that there are four or five teams that are a lot better than everyone else. There, there, there's, there, there definitely seems to be more of in the championship than other divisions. There seems to be more of a, a difference, a contrast between yeah. the top end and the bottom end, and I think that's that's probably a money thing because I think the, the the differences being spent are probably more pronounced in the championship than they are in, yeah. in the other leagues. But just a little mensch uh, for for a guy that we've got a lot of time for on the pod, uh, Mister Kim our roof yep just playing fantastically for Leeds at the moment yeah and you know I mean I, I was always I think I think we've spoken about this before but I was I was always sad that, that, that he and he chose to go to or you know got got picked off by by such a basket case of a football club mm. because just just I mean I, you know personal dislike of Leeds as a football club in general aside they they were all over the shop at that point and you felt like you'd want your your kind of favorite players to go to something go somewhere that had some stability but credit to him he stuck it out he's had some pretty rough times there with with not being picked and, yep. and playing yep. out of position a heck of a lot so he's now being 
played correctly um i always felt that it was just that people weren't getting the, the best out of him and, and and now it looks like they are and he is a tremendous professional and a staggeringly good footballer yeah i think if he continues i mean he's not playing he's not playing every game but he's playing regularly and when he is playing he's having an impact and yeah if he if he continues to do that it, it can't be long before he gets picked up by a by a more <laughs> professional well, outfit. You do you know what? Do you know what? I mean, you know, he 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 may well take them up to the Premier League Maybe. and feature for them yeah. up there. And I, and I would love him to, you know, because he came from the Premier League. He was at West Brom, who were a Premier League side when he came to Oxford, and you know, he wasn't getting gameplay in the Premier League, which is why he came down to Oxford. Um, and I would love for his story to take him back to the mm, Premier League absolutely. and him finally get that kind of gameplay. Absolutely. Well, we'll keep an eye on him. Oh, and also another mention that I forgot to I forgot to talk about on the pod from Saturday. Um, but you remember I was always talking about, about the lad um, Idris Kanu. Yes. So did you see that on Saturday he scored a 98th-minute winner? I don't like talking about 98th-minute winners, <laughs> no, by the way. No, that's true. But yes, good for him. But yeah, he popped up uh, Popped up Idris Kanu. It was really nice to see him uh, getting, on the, uh, getting on the score sheet and scoring a massive goal. So it was uh, good to see. Uh, there it was, the equaliser in the 97th minute for Port Vale versus Exeter City. Uh, just a little mensch because I want to keep an eye on him. He's a player, I tell you. Yeah, well, hopefully. I mean, you know, when Oxford's new manager comes in, then maybe they can look <laughs> at him in January, maybe. So we have rattled through um, some Football League fixtures from Tuesday night. It was a moving night, I think. It was a big night. Um, and both Reading and Oxford had some pretty tasty ties. So I wanted to leave the bulk of the pod to discuss two uh, somewhat disappointing results. Yeah, should we have a break, compose ourselves and come back? And have a, I'm gonna, I've got some notes. I want to take a run up at this. OK, let's do exactly that. We'll be back in just a moment. He here weer. He gives him on. He must have in one keer nemen. This is so a schitterende aanval. He can it nog altijd in. We have lift off. Uh, that was some outrageous Dutch commentary uh, from the Rakitic goal with the Barcelona game the other night. To be to be fair, he, he made a good point in that commentator. <laughs> I liked him doing his own sound effects. Yeah. It's like this podcast. They were really bad sound effects. <laughs> we have lift off. Uh, yeah, loving it. So. Just a quick note before we get into the terrible stuff. I know we don't talk about that uh, that that football very much, but I did watch um, I did watch the highlights package of Messi's performance in that game, and it was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, it's all the other all, unbelievable. All the other players were rubbish. All of them were sorry. terrible. He paid them. That to, could have to play badly. Yeah, that could yeah. be it. Yeah. Shinned all of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So Tuesday night, the Kassam Stadium. <laughs> Oxford United versus Luton Town. Yeah. So a bit of a grudger. Yeah, I mean, you know, but they're kind of fun games on the whole, the Luton mm. games. You say there's there's a bit of needle, but it's kind of no, not good natured, that's not the right word, but there's a bit of needle between the two sides. But a lot of that's died down a little bit. They're just they're just kind of fun games. Um 
I, I'm not entirely sure where to start on this. I may, I may, I've made a lot of notes, okay. but actually, there. If I just start going through them, it's just going to be a stream of consciousness. So, well, can you tell me? Can you can you start going into the game? Because well, we were talking before, and you said you were a bit nervous about the match. Well, I mean, I, not nervous. Nervous isn't right. I was filled with fucking dread. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh, I just. It just. There's nothing kind of positive at the moment going on. So, I mean, let's we can start with the team selection, if you like. So, for the first time, um, Carl Robinson went with a kind of a 4-4-2 situation. So he went up with two up top. He ended up with um, a kind of diamond in midfield rather than kind of a flat four across the middle. Um, and uh, so he's, you know, he, so he's changed things up a little bit just by just by going 4-4-2 um, or a formation of that anyway. Yeah. Um, it was one of the things that he said in his post-match interview um, on Saturday. Um, he was asked by Nathan Cooper from the BBC, you know, have you, um, you know, what, what are the other options? Go 4-4-2? And then he made, he, you know, made this big, oh, we've been playing 4-4-2 loads. We've been changing our formation throughout games and stuff and it hasn't worked and stuff. And I just felt there was this kind of, this sense of, you know, stop telling me what to do. I, I'm doing lots of things. I'm trying to do whatever I can. Um, anyway, so he went four four two. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, weirdly, one of one of the one of the, the one of the issues, one of the reasons why people have called for us to go four four two is that a beaker is so isolated. It's not that he's in space on his own because there are attacking players around him, but there's nobody linking up with him. But this is what whatsoever. this is what we were talking about. The, the fundamental part of the setup this year was those two wide players and the man in the middle. So, was this a fundamental change back to four four two in in sort of desperation to? To get something solid, or or was there a real tactical? Well, I mean, so need so, get, so what, get that change. Well, there was a tactical need to make the change, but there was no there was no tactical. It didn't feel to me or anybody like this was a uh, a plan, a long held plan that had been worked on. And I and I had a I had a conversation with some people on the way down the stairs afterwards, and I, I say that everything about that whole game felt felt panicked. Um, right from the change of formation um, and the change of lineup in the first instance, that just felt like a a, 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 a panicked move by by Carl Robinson. Um, the players start start off started off okay. Um, we started playing quite quite free flowing football. We did quite well to start with, um, but we ended up. Um, just kind of we lost a handle on the game and everything became and and i, I borrow a word that, that that um a really good blogger and actually everybody should read uh, this blog is a guy's called ox blogger um he uh he made he he's really good at the tactical analysis and he's really kind of level-headed and he he he, he can condense this stuff way better than i ever <laughs> possibly can uh, but but he said we just got massively ill-disciplined and that's right okay. Every, everybody just started flapping um, and and there was no there was no kind of coherence with our and to, so that leads me to believe basically that, that Carl Robinson hadn't this isn't this isn't a plan that he had that you know on occasions we might use this formation this was a well everything else isn't working let's try this that is the and, worst and, feeling when you can feel that happening because you're like you're just you're just having a crack at this now yeah <laughs> you are just having a crack and 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 
and so many of his decisions at the moment seem to be made just they're just reactionary decisions they're not this is our plan this is what we're going this this isn't like we've identified a problem we're going to find a way of solving that problem which i mentioned in the previous podcast he is he is now just just making snap decisions okay so we've had um players now players are now being dropped for individual errors okay so they're being dropped from the side on a regular basis now for 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 anybody who causes a single individual error gets dropped so it happened with john massinio he was so he played on saturday he was back to captain on saturday um and then he he slipped made a mistake led to one of the goals he has now been he was now dropped for tuesday night's game um the same was uh with cameron uh, cameron norman he was dropped for the same reason sam long went in um and then for some reason out of nowhere that we nobody's entirely sure Tony McMahon then goes back into into defence and Sam Long drops out of the fucking squad yeah. and he came in and actually had a reasonable game all things considered that he was dropped in out of nowhere against Manchester fucking City how are these players supposed to be <laughs> you know how are they supposed to drop in like that out of nowhere and expect to be expect to be to be able to know their job perfectly, yeah, and to be able to interact with the other players in the team in the right way when they're literally coming in out of nowhere. I mean, we see it in a lot of places, but it's madness, it, you know. It is, and and so, um, uh, sorry, my, my complete trainer, uh, Brannigan, Cameron Brannigan, uh, Brannigan, out of nowhere. Um, was being played at the kind of front of the, the midfield diamond. Now, I've actually always said that he's been out of place in a defensive midfield sure. position anyway. But but out of nowhere, he's put them in the front of the midfield diamond, despite the fact that we have plenty of players who can play in that position. James Henry is a cracking yeah. example of somebody yeah, who would be perfect in that position. Um, but he went with Cameron Brannigan. Uh, Brannigan goes in there. And do you know what? He, I am convinced his reason... His entire reason for putting him in there is Brannigan had that nice little interchange with John Abika for a goal. <laughs> what, one one, one good, incident. One good thing happened. And he thought, oh, fuck it, I'll just play him in the front of a midfield. It can't be that and, bad, can it? And, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with trying different things out, right, when things are not going right. But everything has a sense of, I'm just, just going to chuck this at it. Um, do you think it feels like that? Or just yes. because of the results? Or do you think that that's really what's going on? No, that... I, they, it, it, I mean, that's shocking if that's really what's happening. And, and, and do you know what if if they if you were hearing measured things in in the in the interviews the pre and post match interviews um that were measured in in like I said, I'm like reiterating myself but he was saying that we understand the problems we're working on the match yeah. we've come up with some solutions things that we can do to change and tweak things that should make a difference please bear with us while we work through this if if that was the case then then i wouldn't think this i would think that this is but there's not that he's not giving or showing any level of kind of coherent analysis of what's going on all he keeps saying is i've done everything i can do what more can yeah. i do and he he keeps he keeps repeating i don't coach the i don't coach them to make errors i don't coach individual errors into their game <laughs> that's that's a that's a that's a great bit of buck passing it fucking going is. on there. It, it really is and, and the point is right so you might not be coaching them to make mistakes but these people are still making mistakes right and as the manager it is entirely up to you to find out to analyze and assess why they are making mistakes now it might just be inexperienced or it might just be like they, 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 you know, they don't understand their roles. It might just be that they are, you know, their their, their heads aren't on right. All sure. of those things are things that it, under his influence to to to, yeah. to, to yeah, change. Absolutely. They're not necessarily going to change them overnight, but there are things that you can, as a manager, change. Um, and 
it, but but he's not he's not coming up with like ways to say well you know well let's say for example we're making lots of defensive mistakes why are we making lots of defensive mistakes 20 yards out 30 yards out well it's because actually we're losing possession a lot in midfield so actually if we play a different game we start controlling possession in midfield a bit better yeah. and just retain possession a little bit longer maybe we wouldn't put our defense under so much pressure and they wouldn't cause so many mistakes little thing i mean i'm not saying that's the problem necessarily although that is a problem but but you're what, not seeing that level of like critical analysis yeah, you know, and, and from, i'm a, i'm a, i'm just a fucking dude in the stand right yeah. i'm i'm not a, i'm not a football football expert i am a, an armchair pundit at best right um hey but- you you are a key member of one of the most one of the most prestigious and, and analytically accurate podcasts you damn right. And we swear don't sell yourself. But you know what I mean? I'm not a football manager. I'm not a professional This football. is one of the very and frustrating things about being a football fan is that certain things seem obvious. They seem obvious to a lot of people. And the worst I find is that now because well, I, I actually I love the fallout. I love the social media fallout after a game because it's a great indication of of you know the general feeling of the fans behind behind the team. And when you look at the 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 feedback that the fans are giving, and it's almost universal. Yeah, that's when you know you're in trouble because it's like we can see it. I can, me and my mates can see it from our seats. The guys over there can see it. Yeah. Why can't this fella in the dugout see it? Yeah. And and again, it's quite often their personality is getting in the way of them being able to really assess and analyse things. And yeah. whether it's stubbornness or whether it's arrogance or whether it's just blind faith in your own ability or what, I don't know. I've got a solution. But- Go on, then. Cabbage in the face. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm halfway there, mate. <laughs> um, one other thing we're talking about, uh, just talking about things that every fucking person could see, but the, the manager yeah. couldn't. Okay, so Shandon Baptiste, right? So this guy's 20 years old. He has only just made his way into into the first team. He is a... And I, and I, and I say this like, I, I think he's a prodigious talent. I, th- I think he is... He is far better than the level we are playing right. at. Um, whether that's top end of championship or beyond, I, d- I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not. But good. he's got something. But he's definitely got something. So he gets the, the captain's armband against Manchester City. This captain's armband is flying all over the well, shop. Well, this is a fucking problem. Um, so he gets he gets given the, the captain's armband against Manchester City, and everyone says that's a nice touch, right? It's uh, a nice touch because you got the Man City game. We're given the captain's armband. He feels he feels important, special yeah. part of the club, and stuff like that. Okay, the following game, uh, John Messina gets the captain's armband back again sensible shout right so 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 you know so so shandon gets it for 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 a big high profile game it's a little bit of fun it's a good special day for him and all of that um john senior gets dropped then just for making that 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 individual mistake um so who are we going to give the captaincy to he gives it back to shandon baptiste he gives it back to the 20 year old in a game which is has a history of volatility there's going to be a lot of away supporters there the fans are already on our back the home fans are already on the team's back anyway he gives the captain's armband to shandon baptiste and i'm not saying this is a, a direct result of that but baptiste got booked early on in that game and he was flying into a lot of challenges and he got a, he got a second warning from the referee and said basically any more of those and you're off pal yeah. um and and there are there are people all over twitter basically saying um take him off take him off and like the even radio oxford even said why why not even take him off at half time it wouldn't have been too soon to take him off at half time um the um uh, Simon Eastwood, Oxford United goalkeeper, who's, who's been injured for a very long time, he was actually saying, um, 
he was saying on the because he was on the radio. Apparently, yeah. I was I was listening because I was there. But apparently, he was saying he should come off because he's in. in so, right. so he was saying yeah. that. Yeah. Like yeah. Oxford fans all over social media were saying it. Everybody could fucking see it. Yeah. And sure enough. He goes in for a challenge. I actually think it was a little. I, th- I think the booking was harsh for this challenge, um, but the fact that he had had already had these warnings was was a clear was a clear a thing, and and he was sent off, and yeah. and it it was fucking written in on the you know on the sky. It was that this was happening, and yet everybody seeing it apart from, apart from the manager, and and Jeez. it's that's tough to watch, isn't it? When that kind of stuff is it's, happening. It's, and and and, and it, it, you know what? And it gets worse. It gets fucking worse. So in the post-match interview, okay, he is. So he does this big thing, right, where he's now started saying, "I've got to take responsibility here." And it's like, yeah, fucking hell, mate. We've been talking about that for weeks. Yeah. Um, but he now suddenly starts taking responsibility. In the same sentence that he's saying he has to take responsibility, he is naming and shaming individual players for well, their individual errors. <laughs> this and is so just what happened not... with the hundred percent situation. Yeah. The other week, you know, it's the same deal. He's 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 not got his messaging right, has he? No, he's not. Um, and 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 the, even worse than that, right? So Jamie. Hansen. Um, okay, we signed him for six hundred thousand. He's yeah. like a defensive midfielder, and you know he's not come to the party quite yet. Um, he uh, again, I'm I'm not one hundred percent sure that's really Jamie Hansen's issue because I think there's a lot of players who are n- we're not getting the best out of, and there's one common element uh, amongst <laughs> all of that. Um, but. So, so Nathan Cooper interviewing him after the game says, um, you know, in, in talking about Jamie Hansen because he met, he mentioned him for for the for the mistake that he made, and he said, well, you know, we, you know, he was a he was a big player for us, and we, you know, we've spent lots of money bringing him in over yeah. the summer, haven't we? Sorry, no, sorry. Nathan said to him, and you spent a lot of money bringing him in over the summer, and Carl Robinson said, no, it wasn't me. I didn't bring him in. It was a club. What? And so, and so, and now everybody, okay, okay, fine. So there are, you know, scouting networks and some Sure, but you don't say it like but, that. And you don't fucking say it like that. Because what that has done now, right? So that has, that has, A, undermined his relationship, publicly undermined yep. his relationship with the football club. Yep, because he's totally. basically saying, the club have made a decision that I don't fucking agree with. Yep. And I'm effectively blaming them for his lack of performance. Yeah, totally. So that is that is undermining his relationship with the, with the chairman publicly. It is also a massive fucking insult to that footballer. He has now totally. just said publicly to all Oxford United fans, for Jamie Hansen to hear, I didn't want you at the football club, mate. I don't want you. Yeah. And how fucking dare he? That is. Talk? I mean, that's that's a fucking awful, awful way to run a football club. That is Mourinho levels of douchebaggery. It really is, isn't it? And, Unbelievable. And so, and so we took the lead in this game, okay? And it was a great, a great strike um, um, from. Oh, fuck, I always fucking forget his name, and I always call him like Billy Haircut. <laughs> Like, it's, it's is, almost like Billy is Haircut has um his his replaced replaced his actual name in my head. <laughs> you're talking um, uh, you're talking about Holmes, Ricky. Yeah, Holmes. Ricky Holmes. Yeah. So like, so so he's a great individual. Goal, although we actually had eight players forward at that point, and he decided to take it on himself. And I was half cursing him for taking the shot himself, uh, but it went in. So it was a great strike. Fair play to him. Um, they they equalised. Bit of a nothing goal. Um, and then it goes to injury time. And there'd been a lot of kind of time wasting and there'd been a bit of pushy shovey after the red card. Yeah. And there was some, some, some. So a large amount of injury time was not a big surprise. Eight minutes, I think, was a little bit of a surprise, but sure. I, I, I wasn't I wasn't staggered that it was eight minutes. I was just a, a bit surprised. Yeah. Um, 
We conceded two fucking goals in injury time, okay? So one of them was disallowed. I've not seen the footage back because I can't bear it, but I've spoken to some other people who have and they can't really see what the um what the, that goal was disallowed for. There might have been a little push in there. Yeah, I think it was okay? a push. So it was a push from, from a free kick. Um, and and so that, so that happens. Um, and then... And then we, we think, well, at least we're going to get a draw out of this. And then another free kick gives a slightly silly free kick to give away. Um, and it was uh, on the near side for us, um, on the Oxford right. And it, get, it got swung in, and like one of their players rose at the back post, almost entirely yeah. un, undefended into the back of the net in 98th minute. And do you know what the worst thing was? I wasn't even shocked. I was just like, a fucking course this has happened. We've already already allowed them once to do this and yeah. what a fucking surprise we've allowed them to do it again we had one point deep into injury time when we had an attacking throw in it was still 1-1 we had an attacking throw in and we actually threw it down the line and just put it out for a throw to them uh, there was no attacking there was no thought do you know what let's try and the game is nearly over let's try and nick something from this how is and like how is the crowd reacting to this then now well um so in the game in in, in, in game in game the oxford fans during that game for the vast majority of that game, I thought were fucking tremendous. Given the given the position that we are in at the moment, there was there was an awful lot of song. There's an awful lot of, of support behind yeah. the team for a really really long spell in that match. I, I honestly and 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 I'm I'm the first to criticise Oxford fans when they get on the, the team's back for sure. no good reason. So I, I genuinely think that the fans cannot be faulted for one second during that game. Um, Right until towards the end, um, and because um, obviously the Luton fans started singing, um, yeah. uh, you're getting sacked in the morning. And after that, it, might, it must have been after the goal, after the second goal, the Oxford fans started singing, getting sacked. In oh, the morning. really? And like, so, so they in, yeah. it was coming from a long way. So he has now completely lost the fans. I, I've Prior to this, I was, you know, I was, I, I was very unhappy with how things have been going. But I, I am almost, I'm, but I'm still of the mind that you know, managers need to have a, a stretch, right? Yeah. You've got, to, you've got to give them a chance to overcome a bad patch. You've got to give them time to to, to bed in. A full season is is kind of minimum standard for me generally speaking for a football manager unless things have got to desperation stages your root bottom of the 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 table at christmas that kind of thing um but i cannot see i've seen absolutely nothing from that man that that gives me any indication that he has any understanding of of a the problems or b how to solve them and and he doesn't see he doesn't seem to have the ability to do the man management job that he needs to do to turn them well around. that was that was another question i was going to ask how do you obviously there's there's a there's there's a relationship with the club and the manager that's a problem but how does it look between Carl robinson and the players now <clears throat> so um the so the um so Ricky Holmes, for example, talked really, really highly of him. So he obviously quite likes him. Um, I get the impression that Carl Robinson, if your team are performing well, and I think I said this before, if your team are performing well, I reckon he's a brilliant manager. Because yeah. um, yeah, I think I reckon he's like one of the lads a little bit. We, he, he's um, a young manager, isn't he? So he he's is, bound yeah. to try and play um, that card a bit. But he, um, but but he's. I imagine I, if Weir is frustrated with his weird outbursts and his kind of lack of any coherence whatsoever, then I can't imagine what the players are like. So Curtis Nelson, um, uh, who was captain, 
Um, he, he had the captain take captaincy taken away from him before the Wiccan game a few weeks ago. Um, part of that is because he's in contract negotiations um, and he's not signing a new contract. His son contract's up at the end of the season. The club want him to sign another one, if nothing else, because we want to get some money out of him if he leaves. Yeah. Because um, there are plenty of teams who would pay money for him sure um he is a very he's a very professional um and a very well respected center half um he was he was skipper at plymouth for, for god knows how long um and and he and he was asked about um the manager and he very very diplomatically refused to answer wow question. okay that's not a good um sign. and then there was an, I, you know, I can't remember what the second question was there was another question about him that was kind of vaguely related to the manager which he basically bit diplomatically refused to answer just said you know that's, that's not that's not for me to answer and 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 I'm reading between the lines and I'm putting words in somebody's mouth, which I know isn't fair, but for me that basically says I haven't got anything good to say, so I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because he could he could have turned around and done the whole big the 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 bog standard media friendly, you know, the media training sound bite of no, we're all behind the manager, blah 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 blah. But he just he just decided to say I'm I'm not gonna make comments on that. And and so and so uh, Rosie was actually saying that her theory, she was saying this a couple of weeks ago, one of her theories as to why um, Curtis Nelson was not signing a new contract. It was nothing to do with not him not wanting to be at Oxford United. It was all to do with the fact that he doesn't like the person who's managing the club. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm more convinced of that than, than anything. Um, that 98th minute goal went in and, and I, just, I just turned around and, and I said, fuck it, he's got to go. I can't, I can't sit there and watch it now. I just can't. So... Uh, Rose, by the way, that's at Ginger Moods on Twitter, yeah. friend of the podcast. Um, we, I, I asked, if, I asked for some questions, and uh, rather than do them all together, because a couple are highly relevant to this chat we're having here, so I yeah, think I'll okay. put these questions to you now. Um, so uh, Neil Shuri wrote into the pod, and he asks, "Who do you want instead of Carl Robinson? If you, you know, if you've got these uh, issues with Carl Robinson now, is now the time?" Would would somebody who comes in now be able to turn things around given the January transfer window, or is it too late now? Well, I mean, look, I mean, sacking a manager is only one part of the job, right? And you and and I'm I'm a firm believer of the fact that you don't sack a manager unless you have somebody available who's kind of lined up to come in, right? Don't just sack a manager for the sake of it. I mean, just look at the fucking mess we got ourselves in after we sacked Pep Clotet halfway through the January transfer yeah. window. Then it took us two fucking months to sign some sign a manager and we ended up with this fucking clown. Um, the So you don't just sack a manager, right? So so you have to find an alternative. So so f- f- my first point, if my first point is, is that I, do, I don't think they should suddenly sack him today, right? That's not going to be helpful. What they need to be doing now is they need to be behind the scenes making inquiries in finding out who's available. Well, you're exactly right. You don't sack a manager; you replace a manager. Exactly. You know, and um, and, and the good and, and the good news is is that we've we've got time to do that, right? So um, we've got time that you know to to 
it's not we're not so far adrift yet that, that it's irretrievable so you've got time now to be spending time looking for somebody speaking to people behind the scenes most likely to be somebody who's not connected with the football club at the moment and then and then look to them. so you sack you've got somebody lined up straight away as to the question who 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 do I want to bring in look there's a hundred people out of work in in football management there's loads of people lined up who who could be who could be there I mean I'll be honest with you at the moment we probably need a fixer we probably need somebody who's going to come in and do a three quarters of a season job just come in and just to do a job to, yeah. to, to but I, I honestly don't know who's available for that kind of thing I'll, be honest, I'll tell you who I would have Jose Mourinho <laughs> well he's, he's going to be, be out of work soon right he's so going to be very I can't shortly stand out of the job. I can't stand the guy but you know I reckon he might cut it at league, <laughs> league one level um, but but yeah, so 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 just sacking the manager is daft. It's it, it's folly. So that's that's not what I'm saying we should do. Um, but but the, the the biggest concern is there's talk of like you know some further foreign investment coming in, and one of the reasons it took us so fucking long to replace uh, Pep Clotet is the takeover of the club was happening. And what I don't want is them to think, well, actually, let's wait and see what this foreign investor comes in. Because if he's going to come in and come on the board, yep. then he might have this. We, we can't sit there and delay things just for that kind of shit again. Well, it did have a follow-up question regarding that. Because uh, we were talking the other week, you did a section about uh, the potential changes at Kassam and, and, and possible moves to a new ground. Where is that money going to come from? And does the situation now have some kind of impact on that potential? Uh, well, I, I mean, I mean, you, the thing is, the situation with the Kastam Stadium is is almost born of necessity. So, I, I, I mean, like the position the club is in, in terms of its position in the footballing tier, uh, the football league tier or the pyramid rather, um, shouldn't impact that so okay. whether we're league two or, or non-league you think we, that decision has to be made well, regardless because well, because we because it, it's in seven years time our lease expires on the stadium so we need to be in a position that we've either we need to be in a position that we've either got a new stadium lined up or we've got something in the in the in the pipeline so we can ground share for a bit before then going off to another stadium yeah. but whatever we need to be doing and this is why that this is why all that those conversations were going on the other week is that we need to be in a strong negotiating position with Firos Kassam so there's no point us waiting until our lease expires and saying oh can we stay for a bit longer because he's going to take us to the fucking clean as if we do um, which is why they're, they're making lots of words so even if we are or aren't actually going to end up in a different stadium he needs to think that's a possibility to give us some kind of clout around the table for negotiating that new lease yeah. um, so but I mean I don't I don't, I don't I don't know what the situation is. There's this this guy. I think he was like Milan or something like that. I can't remember some so some Italian investor. He's not Italian himself, but he invested in one of the big Italian okay. clubs. Um, uh, the Italian press reporting that this guy was actually going to come in and buy um, oxygen. He was actually going to do a takeover straight away. Uh, we think they probably misinterpreted it, but fucking who knows? <laughs> who knows? Honestly, do you know? And this is the worst thing, actually. I think. The, right, one more word, Andy. Go on, one more word. Yep. This is the worst thing. Is that. If I genuinely felt like the the ownership of the football club and the chairman of the football club had a good enough handle on what was going on in English football, that they would be able to come in and actually sort this problem out, I'd feel a little bit more relaxed. But I, I honestly don't have enough confidence from what I've seen so far that that this really, really, really difficult situation was is within their capability to sort out. Tough times uh, for Oxford United and uh, the Yellows... 
struggling to find any form and also struggling with the club. It's it's going to be difficult next few weeks, I think. Yeah, it is. And and also Gavin White is going, one of our best players, is going on uh, international duty with Northern Ireland. He is going to miss the Plymouth game uh, of all the fucking yes. games. So, you know, that, that'll be the game we then get replaced. They, we replace him at the bottom of the table and... Ta-da. Difficult time. So away to South End on Saturday, and let's hope that the Yellows can pick up something from that game and get things back on track. We never win at South. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> thanks. Man. I'm trying to bring thank, something thanks. to it. Right, let's see. Right, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come down the road, and we're going to have a little chat about the latest goings on uh, down at the Mad Stab with the Biscuit Men. We're back in just a moment. Okay, you keep trying and trying and trying. To get me to listen to this podcast, I, you, you get some respect, okay? Respect. Well, you've you've not respected me because you've left me no time to talk about Redden after that epic, I'm, <laughs> epic rant on Carl Robinson. So, so, sorry, but do you know what? It felt really good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure like it did. A, late, a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> it's wonderful. Well, I'll be interested to see what what the listeners think because I think there's probably quite a few people on the same page. Um, and what I did find after the uh, after another defeat for Reading uh, at home on Tuesday night, we lost one 0 to QPR, and I was really up for this game. Yeah, I, I was. In a great mood beforehand. It was one I had quite a busy day at work, and I'd done lots of stuff. I had to go into London for some meetings. Came back, met some people, went out for a drink after work, and you know, like it was a it was a good day. Stuff was going on, yeah, yeah, and it was building up. And I was like, right, here we go. It's a little bit dark, you know. The stadium lights are on before you get there, and yeah. it feels like a match, right? And I had some friends who are in the away stand as well, and it was like, oh yeah, this is a this is a great one. And then the match started. Oh no! <laughs> it was... For a start, obviously, you know, borrowing a, a, a gag off our friend Matt, but but you couldn't tell which team was which. No, you couldn't. The, the both they were two. There were two sets of super hoops. So on the pre- presumably, QPR were playing in blue and white stripes. <laughs> QPR played in a rather lovely pink. Uh, away oh, kit. It was oh, actually lovely. quite nice. Was it? Was it all pink? Were they black shorts? They I think it was trim? pink black shorts. Another yeah. bit of trim. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, uh, good. Good away show for the QPR fans. Yeah. Not not quite not quite a full allocation, but pretty damn good. It's a, it's a relatively local one, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. yeah but good play. game. Good yeah. at, good atmosphere in the stadium, and uh, there's a group of fans uh, that have got together called Club 1871 who are trying to start a new singing section. Yep. in the, in the ground, and they've had quite a, a fairly poor showing in some games, but they came out today a little bit more force, and they clearly got their shit together because they were singing from the start, and they were actually producing a bit of atmosphere, which was good to see because yep. it can be a bit flat, as everybody likes to take the piss. Out of us four, um, but they're trying to they're trying to improve that, which is good. Uh, and so they were singing, QPR fans were singing. And it was a decent atmosphere, and there was there was obviously something in it for both teams. So you yeah, could yeah. feel there was a little bit of niggle to it. Um, but then, as the game went on, based on a selection, team selection that was baffling at best. What a theme, a common theme. <laughs> it's madness because we had a win and a draw in the, in the previous two games, right? Yeah. And the general feeling was up. Yep. We had this new Iranian lad come in who shored things up in the midfield. It seemed to be like we're 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 doing something. We're better than we were three or four weeks ago for sure, right? And then he comes in, Clement, and plays a Luca again. He plays a Luca on the right again. He plays Chris Gunter on the right again, and he plays Liam Kelly in the middle again. And everyone in the whole stadium, just like we were talking about in the Kassam, everyone's looking at it and go, "What? Like what? He but he's been rubbish every game." <laughs> 
And, and Sean Luco, who we paid a shitload of money for from Fulham, has, he just doesn't do anything. He looks like a scared cat every time the ball comes near him. It sort of bounces off him and he jumps away. So, I mean, did, uh, did, did he give any indication as to why? Has he made changes because... because, uh, because he's been doing it constantly. For fitness levels? Or like he's, he's claiming that the team are tired and he needs to rotate. Um, but to be honest, <laughs> I take the quality and a little bit of tiredness against what we're seeing is he actually, when he rotates the team. Is he actually just naturally a bit of a tinker man? I think he is. I think he can't help himself because I think what he feels is that every so often he's going to do something and magic will occur <laughs> yeah. and like and like amazing things will happen on the pitch. But Sonia Luca is not the man to make that happen. And, no. and Liam Kelly, who is you know came up through the academy, he's a club he's a club player. Uh, very, very talented, obviously, but doesn't do it on the pitch, you know. And with this new formation that we have, where we have Ezra Talahi, the the Iranian midfield, with Bakuna, those two being slightly more technical footballers, Mm -hmm. knowing their jobs, it frees up that role for John Swift, who we've always been saying we need to be playing. It frees the role up for him to play there, and then he plays Kelly in the, in that spot. When he's, it looks like he shaped the team to play Swift, yeah. and then he doesn't play him. <laughs> it's super frustrating. Uh, and also, uh, John Daddy, um, favourite of the pod, I like to think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the yeah. Daddy got got an injury in the warm up, oh, no. got dropped, and then Yaku Meiti, who I also really really like because just because of his work rate, he starts up front. But you know when he plays that he's not going to score. You know. Yeah. Um, and so once once they announced that lineup, Gunter, Aluko, Meiti, I was like, fuck. Here we go. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. They failed to do anything. They couldn't get anywhere. And uh, we conceded an absolutely terrible goal, scramble, goal mass scramble from a corner. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we played very well and we, we knocked on the door, but we incapable of getting a shot on target, really. Uh, we did. There was some terrible refereeing in the match. Um, one penalty I'm pretty sure was a penalty disallowed and then two slightly dodgy dives uh, from the lads on, on that note actually we, yeah. we, we did have a question in and this is for, uh, from Matt Angel who said um, has the performance of the referee in Reading's match changed your view on <laughs> VAR well you you might uh, listeners long time listeners might remember some some epic rants on uh, on VAR during our World Cup podcast yeah we, we entire episodes yeah. <laughs> like, my opinion has not changed <laughs> i would i would rather i would rather lose and 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 hate on the referee than have the game sullied by by that madness yeah fair, yeah i'm 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 not a fan you know either. i'll take the rough with the smooth as yeah. it comes and we'll get some decisions i'm sure at some point this well, season well no yeah but you've got to be in the opposition's penalty area <laughs> to get them in the first place that's true so maybe not <laughs> just a smattering of midfield meaningless free kicks in our favor uh yeah so no i think i don't I, I don't think that would help at all i think that would suck what atmosphere there is would get sucked out yeah. if we were in that situation um but yeah some very bad refereeing um and i think because the situation, I was taking my, I was taking my frustrations out on the ref. He became the centre of ire, you yeah. know. Um, but he did have a shocker, not only for the decisions, the bad decisions that he made on that penalty, and maybe some other incidents, but his complete lack of control of the game, you know, yeah. and irrational bookings of people. Like this guy gets booked, but that guy doesn't for yeah, some inexplicable yeah. you reason. You just want consistency. Exactly. Don't you? That's like, all you really. If, if for. a referee's overzealous or let stuff go yeah. a bit too much. You can handle that if he just applies it consistently throughout the whole game, right? Yeah. 
I did get to do something which I really, I really do enjoy, uh, which is doing a very stereotypical shout at the ref. You're a disgrace, ref! <laughs> You're a disgrace! <laughs> Should be ashamed of yourself! Were so you, I managed to do that. Were you up on your feet? Were you waving <laughs> yeah, your fist at him? Yeah, <laughs> Popped out of a seat and waved a fist. Yeah, I do love that. Lovely uh, stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, incredibly frustrating. And after the game... Um, uh, there's a chap on Twitter called Elm Park, Elm Park Royal, and he uh, does a live Periscope, oh, okay, uh, yeah. which is quite nice. Just talks through the match and, and takes people's questions and stuff. Uh, and there was a lot of negativity on there, and I was desperately, I'm desperately trying to be positive about it, you know, because I do see positives. I do yeah. see that we're getting better. Um, and the general feeling uh, from from people watching that stream and, and on social media afterwards generally was that Clement clearly has some favourites that are not playing well. Yeah. And he's going to keep playing. Uh, and maybe it is because he feels that they need to rotate. Um, but I, I think there is a there is a large group of people that can see our best side now. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, we're te- what we ten, eleven games in now. Uh, and of of all the games I've seen, I know exactly what our best side is now. I'm yeah. pretty sure. You know, we we've been seeing these guys week in week out. I could pick the eleven, the eleven now, but it means. It means he's going to have to deny some of his favourites a team place, you know. And the, the it thing, feels like he doesn't want to do that. The thing is that, that, that I'm not really sure I buy the whole like the whole idea of, of fatigue, right? Like, I mean, Pete, footballers, you know, you know, without sounding like an old man, like back in the day before they had all this kind of sports science, they would all play every game all season. There aren't yeah. that many more games in football than there they used to they be. They play two games a week, 90 minutes, right? Um, and, two and, games a week. Yeah, and at most, right? Because yeah. there isn't always a Tuesday game. Well, we've got another international break in the championship like yeah. in, a, in a week's time. And, and they... Um, <laughs> You know, and I and I hark back to this a lot, and and partly because it was like the best season of my entire life. But um, the twenty fifteen sixteen season, um, Oxford had a really we had a, we had a lot of games. We got to the final of the Johnson's Paint Trophy. We got really far in the FA Cup. We played a lot of games. I think sixty games Liam Serkin played. He ba- barely barely didn't feature in a single game. Go, I mean the goalkeeper played every game. That's neither here nor there really. But. Um, but there wasn't that much. There was no rotation. Like we rested people in 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 a couple of cup games and stuff here and there. But actually, for for the most part, we played the same formation, the same system, more or less the same personnel through yeah. the whole through the whole thing. And they were able to manage it. Well, like, know, I, I, which is why I get so angry when Premier League players worry about talk about yeah. that's fuck. You 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 think you've got fixture congestion, <laughs> you bastards? Try it down here. Well, you know how you know how. Uh, uh, Pep Guardiola and uh, Unite Emery and all these guys can afford to tinker with their teams because they got two fucking 11s. Yes, exactly. You know, both, <laughs> both full of internationals. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, but just to get it off my chest, I'm going to give you the 11. Okay, go on. Let's do 11? it. Let's so, do it. So okay. Walker in goal, Yadam on the right, uh-huh. Moore and Ilori in the centre, Tyler Blackett on the left. Oh, in no, the midfield. What happened, what happened to O'Shea? Yeah, he's on the bench. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Bakuna and Ezdalahi in the centre of midfield with Swift yeah. at the top of a little triangle. Okay. Mo Barrow on the left, J- 
Josh Sims on the right and John Daddy up front. It's not hard. Uh, I'm all right with that. It is not yeah. hard. Do you know what? I could have probably picked that team. Exactly. Like. Paul Clement cannot, however. <laughs> so anyway, we'll see. I mean, we've got we've got an incredibly tough game away at West Bromwich Albion on yeah, Saturday. Yeah. But do you know what? They, they're often the games where surprises happen. We have been better know. away from home, which is fucking annoying, to be perfectly yeah, yeah. honest. Uh, but there you go. So that is uh, the trials and tribulations of Oxford United and Reading Football Club this season. Any more questions? Um, we, we uh, no, let's have a quick look through this. You talk while I look. Yeah, okay. Well, um, I know that... Uh, there's... Oh, yeah, here oh, we yeah, go. go yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry. I have got one now. Yeah, so this came from another Matt saying, uh, from a Reading perspective, what do you think will make them more consistent? They seem to be very up and down from week to week. Well, it's directly related to this discussion we were just having about Reading and Oxford. Get your 11 down. Get your first team pick your first team and play them get them playing week in week out get them gelling together and then if you do have injuries bring one player in but not this three or you know two or three man rotation every game yeah and, and that is the key to consistency isn't it is being you know like is cons- being consistent is having a consistent squad i mean yeah. to be fair that that's easy to say when your team's winning games and stuff like that and, and and i have some sympathy for managers who are who are trying to find a different formula but but just chucking everything up in the air from reading's perspective for no good reason yeah. from oxford's perspective because the manager doesn't really know what else to do neither of those are good ways to run absolutely well we will see as we keep saying every week there's there's so many games there's so yeah. many games surely we can pick up some points well we'll see uh so i think that brings us to a close of a uh of a rather tempestuous podcast this evening, um, but yeah. I feel better as well. I, 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 I feel I feel better for having that. I, I, this has become a bit of a therapy session. Yeah, I, I, I do still. Every, every time I think about little bits of that, I then get angry again. But but but, but, but no, it's quite therapeutic. Hopefully, it'll be therapeutic, therapeutic rather for for the listeners as well. Let's hope so. And therapeutic results at, at Southend and at West Brom on the weekend. Gonna happen. <laughs> right then, uh, I think uh, that brings us to the end of the show. So I'm going to have to ask you to say goodbye, Andy. Oh, you're going to play the. Yeah, I press press the wrong button. Right. Well, let's, should we try again? Yeah, let's try that again. <laughs> right. Well, it's time to say goodbye. So this is live, guys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Cheerio, everybody. You, I'm not going to edit it. Who do you think I am? No, I don't know. So you can catch us on worldypod at gmail.com. You can go to worldypod on Instagram and Twitter and all those lovely places. You can find us next week on Worldie. going to happen now What's that? he's going to turn it around we're going to go on we end up in the playoffs and I'm going to end up looking really fucking stupid 